Hello, hello, hello. Welcome along to Benchcast. I'm your host, Nevro Dunahu. Today I'll be talking to Tipperary football captain, Conor Sweeney. He'll be looking back on their Munster football final win last year and how they look to push it on even more again this year. Give it a listen. Enjoy. Connor, how are you? Good, Nev. How's things? Not too bad. Uh, long time no see, I suppose. We would have a history yeah. here. Uh, I played a bit of rugby with you back in UCC many moons ago. That's correct, yeah. Long time ago now, lad. Yeah. Did you go to, did you go to Rockwell? Am I right in saying that, Connor? Did you? I went to Rockwell, Neville, yeah. So um, I was there for six years and I, I started in UCC in 08. Yeah, yeah, so I I played rugby for the first year in college, which would have been kind of oh eight oh nine. Yeah, and not to not to bore yeah. everyone because I suppose everyone wants to hear about the football. But did you uh, did you play rugby in Rockwell as well? Were you on the schools team, and is that where you played in UCC? Yeah, um, so like obviously Rockwell was a major rugby school at the time. There was there was no GA actually there when I was there. Um, there is GA there now, and they're after they're after getting quite good at it, but. When I was there, it was all rugby, yeah. So I was rugby for six years, uh, played one year junior cup and third year, and then played two years senior cup and fifth and sixth year. All I think right. uh, Ca- Captain Rockwell then in sixth year. So that's kind of why I probably played rugby in my first year in UCC, yeah. Do you think it stood you when you got on the Tipperary football team? Oh, 100%, yeah. Like um, like when I was playing, like I was always playing uh, um football even when I was playing rugby in school at the evenings with belly and stuff and then I was playing on the tip minor team so like my catching my kicking was always very good um and then like I suppose from a rugby perspective I don't know I was maybe just that little bit tougher do you know what I mean I was well yeah. able to take yeah. take hits and, and give them and keep going and stuff oh, but 100% like eye to you know ball hand coordination all that was quite good yeah so it definitely helped me for sure and were you out half in the Rockwell team or are you full back or opposition and the last question I'll ask is that um, about the rugby is that why did you pick football because you like you were handy enough rugby player would have been I would have been mm-hmm. interested to see how you would have got on if you went down that road like you know but obviously you chose the football yeah um, I played out half Neville uh, the whole time uh, I played scrum half when I was junior cup but then I moved into 10 um, and loved it, like just re- really kind of, I don't know, relished that opportunity at out half. You, you have so much control over the game. It suited me, you know. Um, but I don't know, like I suppose um, I was always playing football while I was playing rugby with the minors and stuff. And then I suppose when I came to UCC, um, I just said I'd give the rugby a go for one year and see how I got on. Now, I absolutely loved it. like, And um, I, w- I would have been OK at it, you know. I got a trial for the Munster 20s, but it never, never progressed any than the trial but um, like I played with some good players um, my first year in UCC there like and played against um, even better players so um, listen I got persuaded by the, the the senior manager at the time it was John Evans he kind of um, I remember I was milking the cows one day with dad at home in the yard I was actually poking a slitter up against the wall which was funny yeah. enough when the temporary senior football manager comes into you and he just goes listen I want you on the squad. We're going to we're going to Spain on a training holiday there at the beginning of next year. Like, uh, and we want you to come. And listen, I kind of I made up my mind there and then that I go for it. You know, he kind of swung it with a, a holiday to Spain. Yeah, but yeah. It was it was it wasn't a holiday. It was a training camp. But that was 2010, and I just never looked back from there. Never. I just um, put rugby to the side, and that was it. And I've been playing GA ever since. So yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Well, there was there was good out halves in UCG at the time. I remember you were up against Johnny Holland, who had to retire because of injury, but he was on Munster. Mm. And I remember Declan Kidney's young, well, Kevin Kidney, Declan Kidney's yeah, young yeah. was out. Of, but anyway, that's besides the point. So, but before yeah. we went to all the football, uh, Connor, how's life anyway? Did you get married in January? I see, or and are you a teacher these days, or what are you doing? Yeah, I got married last December, Nev. Um, I got married blowing uh, Killarney the 28th of December, a few days after Christmas there. So that was class. It was great. Um, numbers are small now, mind. We got we got 30 guests at the wedding, which is great when you think about it now. But um, yeah, so I married Sean and we're going out with a long time. We're going out with nearly 10 years at this stage. So that was great. Um, um, yeah, and I'm teaching. I'm teaching now with about four or five years. I'm teaching Tipperary Town in Saint Day in um, the Abbey School there in, in Tipperary Town. So I'm loving that there at the moment as well. Has COVID had any effect on you? Like I suppose, like what was it like? Must have been unusual a COVID wedding, you know? Uh, it was, yeah. At the beginning, we kind of didn't know what we were getting ourselves in for. Do you know what I mean? But it actually it worked out so well. We couldn't get over how well it went off. So yeah. um, listen, the numbers were small, like I said, but. Listen, my, our friends and our family were there, our closest friends and our family were there, which is the main thing. And listen, I don't know, I, I think this whole COVID thing could have an impact on weddings going forward. I think these big weddings could be a thing of the past, really, you know, the three and four hundreds. Yeah. Like, I mean, w- w- when you strip it down and think about it, like, uh, it's madness. It's it's such a money racket and it's it's madness to think that we were going to ask 400 people to the wedding. It's crazy, like, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know it, how we would have afforded it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think every fellow that got married last year got off the hook, you know, and saved a few bob for himself. So, but they were... 100, 100%, yeah. yeah. Um, look, I suppose we better talk about the football and um, I must say, I was delighted of you, Connor, but being a Cork man, my old fellow was a Kerry man and I'd actually nearly followed the Cork footballers more than the hurlers. And I was like, Christ, surely after beating Kerry, there'll surely be a tip, yeah. like, you know. But um, tell yeah. us, that, 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 but that tip team, one of the lads just lived with me in here in the house, he played again. Now, you weren't on that minor team, but that tip team won the minor back in 2011. And that tip team was coming, you know. And I suppose mm-hmm. in one way, I was delighted that you did get over the line because there were some quality footballers. And I think he played a good a good game that day. I think, like, it was yourself and Michael Quinlivan. It was a two full forward line, wasn't it? If you might correct me. And then I think Colin O'Reardon came back from Sydney then to clean up everything in midfield. Yeah, it was it was a fantastic year. Like to be fair, you know, um, like I mean, it it it's funny the way it all worked out. You know what I mean? Um, after the lockdown, we still had to play two rounds of the league, um, and we needed a couple of results there, or else we would have got relegated, which would have been catastrophic for football in the county. So those two games were extremely important in their own right. And thankfully, we got over the line of them and we went straight into the championship then six days later. So you didn't have a whole pile of time to kind of digest or, or, or plan for championship. You kind of had to just get straight into it. And we had Claire up first. Um, and like we were genuinely now, I know everyone would say this, but we weren't looking past the first game because they had beaten us the year previous in the league and they were operating in Division 2. So they were favourites going into that game. So well, you, we you, were just... You got a last minute kick from the touchline, didn't you, to get you out of it? Or was that, that was that was the Next day, that was Sorry. the next day against Limerick. We um, yeah. yeah, we beat Clare by three points in the quarter final. Then we played Limerick in the semi final, and um, yeah, I, I scored a free there in, in injury time to bring it to extra time, and, and thankfully we got over the line there. But yeah, listen, I suppose like Cork probably did us a favor as well by taking out Kerry. You know, like we've played Cork loads of times over the last five or six years, and there's there's always just been a point or two separating us. So like the games between us would have always been close, and we would have beaten them as many times as they would have beaten us. So when we found out it was Cork in the final, we kind of, you know, we realised we had a good chance here. 
yeah. and it was just a case of getting our own heads right in for that and, and thankfully we did thank god you know yeah it's um no it was definitely a great achievement like and um yeah i suppose kind of cork uh tip football and tipperary then i suppose like are you kind of always seen as do you get equal fair do you get treated fairly then up there connor like or do you think as i remember before there was a dispute that the hurlers got you know treated better like you know but do you think you get yeah. the same respect up in tip um well like i i, I don't know I, maybe not um but like, I mean, we're just going about our own business anyway. You know, like we don't have that many supporters. Um, I mean, obviously, listen, we're in a county. We're kind of, we're blessed in a way that we're in a county that GA is so strong in both codes. Like, you know, um, and like, look, the reality is we probably are competing with the hurlers for a small number of players. Um, but I mean, listen, um, other counties have the same issue. But no, I, I think we get the the respect we deserve. I mean, it, it's it's hard to, it's hard to like, you know, have a problem with the hurlers getting respect. You know, they've been doing it year in, year out. Do you know what I mean? They've that core of players now, they're around the same age as myself. They have three All Ireland medals in their back pockets. Do you know what yeah, I mean? They've yeah, had full yeah. of all stars. They have Munster titles. So, like, they deserve all the recognition and the support that they get. So, I suppose it's up to us to get up to that standard as we, if we can at all possible. But listen, uh, look, I think we get to the, the respect from the county board as much as the hurlers. And, um, other than that, Nev, I, I don't really have too much to do with it, nor do I care a whole pile. You know what I mean? We're going to do what we do, and that's it. And um, hopefully, we might generate a little bit more support from our success last year going forward into 2021. You know, uh, tell me, uh, David Power is he staying on mm. again this year as manager? He was witchy. Well, not I suppose you weren't. Uh, well, I suppose tell me, you you weren't on that minor team, you were that bit older, why you came in later, but. David Power, yeah. he was he was also manager of that minor team in 2011. Like, just how big an influence was he in that team? And also, uh, how did you slip in then? Like, uh, well, I suppose you said you got into that training camp, like, but I suppose tell yeah. us about your journey getting into the team. Yeah, so um, I suppose really, like, I was minor in 08. Uh, 07 was my first year, and 08, 08, we got to a Munster final. We drew against Kerry in the Munster final, and they bet us in the replay. That year was probably the first sign of a bit of talent coming through. Um, we great players that time. Um, then we made the under-21 final in 2010 and we bet Kerry Blow and Tralee. Um, and that was the first time um, we'd won a Munster under-21 championship. Um, so I suppose from maybe 08 to 010, there was the real, there was something brewing, you know. And then 2011, the minor team won the All-Ireland and David Powers, the manager there. Um and obviously what you're seeing now is probably a culmination of maybe that minor team and, and the under-21 team the couple of years beforehand. Um, and even some of those players have actually come and gone already. So, yeah, listen, there was something brewing but a while. I mean, there's always been talent there. There's been good footballers. Um, you know, it's well documented that Declan Brown was a fantastic footballer in his time as well. So I think we've always had good footballers um, and they've always been there. And, and thankfully, we'll say last year, um, it came to fruition on a senior level, you know, which is the main thing. I mean, you can have all the underage success, you know yourselves in Cork, underage successes. I mean, ultimately, the senior team is your flagship, um, you know, and we, we were just delighted to get, to get over the line last year. Um, and hopefully we can build on it now because um, the age profile of our of our team at the panel at the minute is good as well, you know, so we're, we're in a decent position. I was going to say that you're the third tip player to win an All-Star uh, Declan Brown and I think it was uh, Michael Quillivan won one also just how yeah. happy were you with that achievement because you said it's very rare that Tip get all-star footballers Asher listen it was unbelievable I mean it's probably the pinnacle of individ individual awards you know what I mean 
Um, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't thought about winning one or I'd be lying if I said it probably wasn't on the list of something I'd like to achieve before I hung up the boots. So it was fantastic that like the Munster Championship and the All-Star came in the same year, you know, that was kind of extra special. But yeah, listen, I'm, I'm extremely proud of it. Like it's uh, they're hard got down around this area in football and um, I suppose myself and Michael and Declan, you know, are three inside forwards as well, which is kind of cool in its own way. But yeah, listen, extremely proud of it. Um, it's nice to be kind of, I suppose, recognising that category of player as well, you know. So, again, listen, um, I'm not happy with that. I need to drive on now and, and try and back up with another good season this year, you know, and see where it takes me. When you won Munster, I was very interested. I suppose everyone was. When you won Munster and, like, great achievement, first Munster title since 1935, unbelievable. What did you do to celebrate it then afterwards? <laughs> We delayed as much as we possibly could above Parky Quay. We hung around for as long as we could because we knew once we left the stadium that it was probably we're all going our separate ways. You know what I mean? So, um, like there was a lot of media to be done as well. So there was there was a quite a delay there, but we got pizzas delivered from some place in town there, and we pizzas and um, we just chillaxed and kind of enjoyed. Took a few photos. We had to cup for a few hours, not long now, mind, because they took it back off us, but. We just delayed as much as we possibly could. We sat around the dressing room. We sang a couple of songs. We had to crack. And then eventually we left and we all drove separately. So we all drove home separately. But um, we drove into my home village of Ballyperine there, just on the, the, the Cork County border outside Mitchestown there. Um, and we all got off the motorway there and we drove through the village. And, and they had a bit of a homecoming for us. They had a couple of bonfires there at the top of the street. And um, I'd say the, the village must have been packed. Like there was, I'd say there was been four or 500 people out there in anyway, our big massive tip flags and stuff. So they just kind of welcomed us into the village and we stayed in the cars and we just drove down to the village and we just kept on going then, you know, yeah, our own right. separate ways. So it, it was, listen, obviously it would have been nice to, you know, to celebrate her properly, but listen, it was special in its own kind of a way um, because we had so much time to our own afterwards above in the stadium, which was kind of nice because you were kind of celebrating with, with the lads that kind of had gone through it all with you, you know? Yeah. I didn't need to face into me, oh, like, been honest with you, like when you like, did you think that was nearly your final? Like, what what way did you look at going into the Mayo game? Like, you know, we tried to we tried to be as positive as we possibly could. Like, we had played them twice um, before in championship in the last five years, um, you know, and we weren't a million miles away often. But like, at the same time, they're a seasoned team. You know, they've they've got great players. They have so much experience, and like. They've won so many semi-finals now, like over the last number of years, like, you know, it's becoming second nature to them and they just know how to win. But we felt if there was any team that you could possibly pip in a semi-final, it might have been them. I was, you know, um, because like, you know, if you got Dublin in the semi, it's a different different story entirely. Like, but yeah, listen, we went up with confidence, but I mean, listen, ultimately we were just off the pace, which, you know what I mean? We just never got to grips around the middle of the field with them and, we just didn't have the intensity and we just weren't on it. It's as simple as that. And um, you can't concede four goals in, in the first half of a game either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the game was over at half time, And we actually had a couple of goal opportunities ourselves in the first couple of minutes and we didn't take them. But, you know, if we had taken them, it could have been a different story. Like, And they fell to the two right men and Michael and myself. And we'd have been very disappointed not to stick them away. But listen, that's sport like. But um, I'll tell you one thing, that, that dress room at halftime was a tough place to be. You know, it was probably the hardest dress room I was ever in. But um, thankfully, we came out with a, a better attitude and we just kind of threw off the shackles. And I think we won the second half by a couple of points, which a lot of people will say, you know, it makes no difference. But I tell you one thing, uh, that was important for the future of the group, you know, because we could have taken an unmerciful hiding there that second half. And um, thankfully, it didn't happen. So 
yeah, at least there's a little something to build on, you know. Sure. And what was it like, the laying of the wreath? You know, like there was history on your shoulders there, you know, where you walked through how to do it or how did you know how to handle it? Absolutely not. No, no nothing like we just, um, I think David said it just the morning of the match. He just said, listen, just on a side note, he said, after the match, we're going to be laying a wreath over in the corner of the stand and that was it. Um, it like, that was actually that was that was a very difficult thing to do in one sense because you're just after losing you know the biggest game of of the year an All Ireland semi final, um and things didn't go well and all of a sudden you've to you've to switch from like competitive mode into kind of you know an emotional mode and you just need to switch off and and forget about the result of the game and and kind of get this thing done you know but um, listen it was lovely to say don't get me wrong it was. It was such a, it was such an eerie evening that day above in Croker. It was empty. The fog came down. It was empty. It was cold, and the music was playing in the background. And I must say, it was it was really poignant as well. It was just a lovely moment, and I suppose we were just lucky to be able to do it, you know, because um, I suppose what happened all that time ago was just was crazy stuff, you know. Yeah. Nice to mark it, especially given the year. Well, you, you definitely hit your. Well, I, I don't I don't want to. But you definitely hit. Your Everest, your peak anyway, last year by winning Munster yourself personally, you got an all-star and hopefully you can push it on even more. But the big question is now, how would you drive it on again this year after such a peak? Like Because it's going to be very, like, I can't see Kerry slipping up again this year, you know, being caught out like Cork like that. Like, But why, how, do you, how do you push it on again this yeah. year? I suppose it's just the case of you just can't start sort of like resting your laurels a bit. Like I, I know, like you said there, we probably hit our peak, but I suppose I don't, I wouldn't personally think we have, like, if I'm thinking like that, then I think we're in a bother, you know, and I think that's, I suppose, as captain and, and Davey as manager and the, and the senior players, we kind of probably have to get get that message across to the panel, like, that last year can't be the end, it needs to be the start of something good, you know what I mean, and and I, I, I definitely believe that we can drive on and push things forward. Now, look, we've got a tough draw in a Munster semi-final, it's either Kerry or Clare. You said there you can't see Clare or Kerry slipping up, yeah, I'd say a lot of people will think like that. And I, I think the Kerry lads will, will probably have that bit between their teeth again this year, you know, because they won't they won't be happy with what happened last year. And and I suppose Cork won't be happy, you know, getting beat by us last year in the final. So it has the makings of a very com, you know competitive Munster Championship again. But listen, we just need to focus on the first few games of the league. Um, I know a lot of people will say that you can't be looking too far ahead, but you actually can. Like, um, the foundation for our good Munster Championship last year was, you know, get the those results in a couple of league games beforehand. You build up momentum, you get a bit of confidence going, and there's nothing like a couple of wins to, you know, to get their confidence up. So, I suppose we just need to drive it on in training and just kind of get the message across that, like, we might need to set higher standards for ourselves that, you know, we can get back to another provincial final and see what happens. But listen, there's a lot of work to be done between here and then, and um, our focus at the moment is just trying to get right for the the first league, which is um, first league game, which is against Limerick. It's only in two weeks' time now, actually, you know, so it's going to come around fairly quickly. How good was it to have? I know now you're looking ahead to the future, but just back to the game, the, the Munster final again. How good was it to have Colin O'Riordan yeah. back, you know, from Sydney that time? Because I know Cork got Mark Keane back as well, and also just personally yourself. What do you think the Aussie rules like? Were you ever pursued by him or anything? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose first of all, it was it was great to have Colin back. Like, I mean, um, he was such a good footballer in his younger days, and he he played. I think he played one year. He might have played two years at senior level before he left for Sydney, and he was always earmarked to be, you know, a top class player. And um, it was just fantastic to have him back. Like, but it's it's gas. He was back for the first. He was back for the quarter final. He was back for the semi final, but he wasn't playing. 
because I suppose he was the message that he came home with was that he wasn't allowed to play. But I suppose once we got to a final, then he kind of put the pressure on the Swans again, you know, to let him play because you know it was kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. He might have felt so. Listen, it was fantastic to have him back. He was always training with us, even though he wasn't playing the Limerick and the Clare match. He was always training, so he had actually about four or five weeks of football under his belt or maybe even a little bit more before the Munster final. So he had a nice bit of work done and he was back kicking the round ball again. So listen, it was unbelievable to have another big man around the middle. I mean, there was a period there in the second half in particular, we were up a couple of points and we just needed to win a couple of kickouts. And Evan just put the ball down on top of him three times and he got three marks. And that just takes the pressure off you. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of player he is. You can just put the ball down on top of him um, and you can be damn sure that he'll come out with it. Like, And to have a lad in the team like that, when the going gets tough, just to win you a ball and, and slow things down and take the pressure off. And obviously then, you know, he's very sure and he's he's very driven and motivated and he's a real leader, you know. So it was fantastic to have him back and he definitely left his his mark anyway, that's for sure. Is it not is it not frustrating to be losing guys like that though to Aussie rules, you know? It is. It like it, it's gas. We we've always lost people, Neville. It's really weird. Like we've always lost people. Uh, whether it was to hurling or whether it was to Aussie rules or going traveling or just moving away, we always seem to lose like um, good players. But it's never something that has kind of held us back either. Like we've always just kind of got on with things. But you're you're dead right. Like I've often thought of the teams we could have had. You know, if if we held on, like if if Peter Atchison didn't go traveling to Dubai and Qatar, if Stephen O'Brien didn't go hurling that time, if Seamus Kennedy stayed with the four footballers and didn't go hurling, if Colin didn't go to um, Australia, if John Maher didn't go back to the hurlers last year, like we could have had, you know, even stronger teams than what we do have. So that's always there. But I mean, listen, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, um, you just got to drive on with who you have. And as long as you have lads willing to play for football for Tipperary, I think we're in a good position. But um, regards the Aussie rules, then, yeah, I actually think it's a fantastic game. I, I, I watch it quite a bit. I was fortunate enough to, to make the Irish International yeah. Rules team in 2017 and we went to Australia. And that was a fantastic experience. Like playing against um, some of the best people in the AFL was, I couldn't get over how good they were. They were seriously athletic, but I mean, their ball handling skills and their just their skills under pressure, I couldn't get over how good they were. And, and that was a fantastic experience. But um, no, I was never approached myself um, about it. Like, and uh, I don't know, I, I don't think it's, it's something that I, I might have been interested in, really. I enjoy playing, uh, like I enjoy playing the Aussie, Aussie Roots when I got the chance and I enjoy watching the AFL. But if I had the choice, I'd probably stay at home, you know. But um, I don't know, I don't know if I'm cut out for that game either. I used to be extremely fit and um, I don't think I'd have the engine like some of those guys do, wouldn't I? Yeah, well, I, I was going to ask you about the international rules in 2017, Dijon, yeah. but you, you, answered, you answered that for me. But um, I suppose the other question I'd ask is... Um, if you had a wish list for for Gaelic football, for the GA, you know, you see him talking about the the tier structure now, and I suppose like it, it, what would be and a lot of people say now that the game of football has gone to muck, like you know, it's it's too boring now. Like, what would you like to bring into Gaelic football, or what would you like to see change in the GA? First of all, I'd love if the intercounty season was just reduced. I think it's too long. Um, I think this preseason of of two months, three months is just crazy stuff. It just, uh, for me, like, and I've done it, like, we've often gone back in November, December, then you're training in January, and it's February before you have a first game. Like, that's 12 weeks when the weather is cold, when the nights are long and dark. Um, and then you're, you have to play your league, then you have a break for championship, player 
championship. I always just felt that the inter-county season was way too long. Uh, last year was the first time I've, I just thought, perfect. Now, I know we were successful and maybe that, my opinion there is skewed, but I just thought the shorter season is the way forward. Again, this year, like, they gave us four weeks to prepare for a league and a championship. Like, you will see it's going to be enough. Like, teams adapt and players adapt and you change and, and you learn to do what's put in front of you. But, like, I guarantee you we'll have a good championship this year and, and we've had minimal time to prepare. So, they did it last year. They're going to do it this year. I can't see why they just can't do it going forward. Um, because I think the long season is probably what's turning a good few players off playing, you know, and committing. Uh, it's just too long. It's it's eight, nine months out of the year, which is just too much time for some people. And as a result, people probably get fed up with it, you know. So I would start with maybe reducing the, the length of the season for me. It was definitely a big one. But other than that, Nev, I wouldn't change a whole pile about the rules or anything like that. I mean, I think the game is in a good position. Like, they're trying things with the marks. I mean, you can't fall for trying. Um, I don't know, like, this inside mark, the, the, the offensive mark, the idea is good but I just think it needs a couple of tweaks you know what I mean this this short maybe 20, 20 metre pass into yeah. the lad who's standing on his own yeah but do you, know? the, do you know thing, Gunnar is that one thing I'd change is that like there's too much of this back and forwards type of thing I think once you go past the halfway line you shouldn't be allowed to kick the ball backwards you know I think they should be trying to encourage yeah. kick the ball forward more basketball style once you go past yeah. the halfway like yeah it's listen it's a good idea like it is um it's a good idea in theory, I suppose. All these things are good in theory, like, but trying them out is a whole different ball game. I mean, like, there's would there be a call in for maybe a second ref? Like, I think, I think you know, there, there's scope there for a second referee. I think the referee, there's too much pressure on him. Definitely. Um, he can't, he can't see everything. Linesmen and umpires, umpires are useless. Flower sorry, pots. They, flower pots. Flower pots. They do absolutely nothing, Neville. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're they're there and, and they don't want to see things. You know, they, they look away more than they actually look for things. It's crazy. Um, uh, linesmen do a certain amount, but I mean, ultimately, there's too much responsibility on the referee between timekeeping, taking notes of different players, um, you know, and trying to watch everything, you know, um, on the ball and off the ball. I think there's definitely too much for one referee to do. So maybe a second referee would be a good idea one ref per half or something like that one yeah. half of the field um, I don't know but in terms of the game itself I think it's okay like I mean the people who are always complaining about it probably don't know a whole pile about it do you know what I mean but um, yeah other than those couple of things now that I've I've discussed there I, I wouldn't go changing a whole pile really you know What about the tiered structure like um, I suppose I'd be interested to get your opinion because like I suppose no, you've you're you you've done brilliant Tipperary in the last few years, but I suppose people mightn't see you up there with Dublin or Mayo, yeah. you know. So like what would you think of this tiered structure? I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um I think it's the way forward. I think the game needs it. Um, like, you know, there's there's four divisions there and and I think you work your two tier championship off off your divisions, like it's it's pretty straightforward. If you're good enough to play in division one and division two then you're good enough to play for Sam Maguire. And if you're in Division 3 and 4, I know a lot of Division 3 and 4 teams would be saying, oh, well, it's not fair. We want the chance to play for Sam Maguire. Well, if you're good enough to go on and play for Sam Maguire, go win Division 2 or go win the, the Tier 2, you know, the Talton Cup or whatever it's called. Earn your right to get into Sam Maguire and then, you know, prove, team, prove people wrong, I suppose. I just think, like, all we want is competitive games. Um, I think there's too many one-sided games, especially, you know, in provinces like Leinster in particular, where there's just too many one-sided games. And I think the two tiers would kind of, would, would put a stop to that. I think it's the most competitive competition we have. 
and you're seeing throughout the course of the year um, Division 4 teams playing against each other and they're crackers of games like you, you get snippets of it there on the Sunday game and, and they're good they're great games to watch the same in Division 3 but I think it's the way forward I'm all forward and um, listen it's worth a try anyway I mean if it, if it doesn't work out then you can go back to the drawing board but um, I'm, I'm all forward anyway in the near future that's for sure yeah, a lot of my the last few GA guests I had on as well. What do you think of the unfairness though that's going on in the GA? Like, like I said to Kieran Donahue on there a few weeks ago, and I, well, funny enough, I see Shane Lowry sponsoring Offaly now. Like, but we were saying that yeah. you'll never see the likes of Offaly again, you know. And they were always a great hurling and football county in both codes, you know. Like, what you like? You look at the way Dublin are after just powering ahead. Kerry have Kerry Group behind them now. Cork of um, or the sports sports direct. You know, like, yeah, you, it seems you need money to compete now. Like, do you think that's fair? Um, do I think it's fair? Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, like uh, the way I would look at that is like, um, I agree with you there. You mentioned Offaly. Like, I, I think things come in cycles. Like, I was watching, I was watching the Lake Gale last night about you know the Wexford manager Griffin there. Like, and I don't remember Offaly being good at hurling or football, but apparently they were very good. I don't remember you know, Wexford winning that All-Ireland and Hurling, but apparently they were excellent. What I do know now is that Dublin have been so dominant. So, like, I do think, you know, um, these things come in cycles, but, I mean, 100%, money, money is probably the main factor behind everything. Um, like, there's, there's, there's other factors that kind of are influencing Dublin at the moment. And don't get me wrong, like, let me just say first and foremost, I think, like, the Dublin players probably work harder than any other county team if not as hard as any other county team so I don't think that should be understated but I mean they're probably wanting for nothing at the same time um, none of their players have to leave the county you know to go to training I'd say the majority of lads are working in Dublin they're all living in Dublin um, they don't have to sit into a car and you know, go two or three hours to training like other county teams do um, you know they have funding behind them yeah they do I think it's, a, it's an issue but I mean whose problem is that though Neville this is the question like I mean if Tipperary I would say Leitrim or Antrim or any Division Four or Three football team. Like, if they are not like, who is is it their problem that they're not successful? Do they need to get their own house in order? Um, should they be looking for pe- wealthy people within their county to back them? Because I mean, that's what Offaly are obviously after doing with Shane Lowry. Now I know he's a GA man and he wants to see Offaly doing well, but Michael Diglin is after going in there now as chairman. Like, and you know he's. I'd say he's got a bit about him, you know, he knows yeah. what he wants and he's probably he's probably a good man to get things going there. And they're after making a start. Now yeah, I know but, Shane Lowry has said himself, like it's gonna it's this isn't gonna happen overnight. Like it's gonna no. be five or ten years before you probably see the fruition of what Shane is, wants to do, but it's a start. No, yeah, you're right. I, I just think maybe that if you're if you want to sponsor Dublin, the likes of AIG, I think you should really give that money to the GA and then the money gets spread out evenly, you know. But that's another debate. But yeah. uh, I suppose talking then about uh COVID then, how did you get on with your trip? Yeah. I suppose you, you stuck to all the regulations, not like the Dublin footballers, did you? Oh, we did, of course. Yeah, just we did. Um, yeah. Listen, look, it was it was tough. I won't lie, we were running there on our own for three months, January, February, March. Um, and for the first two months, it was fine because you know how doing it, you know, after Christmas and all that, you need to shake off a couple of cobwebs and stuff. But I tell you now, uh, March was a tough slog because... It was just, it was three months, like it was too long on your own. I was doing the running here on the roads and I was, I was finding some GA pitches to do running on my own. Like, but it was, it was tedious there for a finish. But um, listen, yeah, no, we, we didn't do any collective training. We just, we just didn't want to risk it, Neville. I mean, 
I was only saying before the whole Dublin and Monaghan thing came out, I said, like, it's only a matter of time before someone gets stung here, you know. Um, and yeah, I just yeah. didn't, I didn't want us to be that team. Um, so, no, we stuck to the guidelines. And um, listen, we're going to be training long enough. I mean, we're four weeks back. We'll have four weeks together before the first round of the league. It's enough. Lads are coming back in decent, decent shape these days. So it's all football from our perspective now on the field when we go training. So we have four weeks of football to kind of get ahead of steam before the league. So, yeah, no, COVID was grand. I actually enjoyed the lockdown with Neville. I must say, like, I I absolutely relished the lockdown last year. Like, I couldn't get over it. It was my first break in about 10 years. Um, so I just used it as an opportunity to maybe switch off mentally and physically. And, like, I just, I just took a break I was eating what I wanted I was having my few pints in the weekend um, and I just relaxed and switched off from it because I was I was non-stop going there for a number of years between I just think we were caught up in a rat race there between going to work on training going to work on training and everything else that was in between so Jesus I, I loved the lockdown last year and especially then when we got the dates to go back training I found I was that bit fresher I was you know I'd, I had more appetite for it like and, uh, and I went at it hammer and tongs and it worked out well for me last year so yeah, I took the same approach this year. I enjoyed the lockdown. I took my time off. I took my break. And now we're back at it again. And like, um, it's great when you finally get back collectively. And what's it like being back now? Like, like, is there any, uh, is there any bit of fear that, you know, there's 30 or 40 lads or however many there is that one of you might have it and it could spread? Is there any of that? Or are you just happy to be back? Um, I, no, I don't think there's fear. Like, you, we have to fill out that GA form uh, each evening before training to just, you know, basically you're just telling the, the advisor at the gate that you haven't been in contact with anyone, you don't think you COVID, you don't have any symptoms, but then we get our temperatures checked in the way in as well. And if your temperature is um, not where it's supposed to be, then you get sent home, you know, but listen, the, the bottom line is if you're not, if you don't feel comfortable, you stay at home, you don't have to be there. So um, no player is, you know, is told they have to be a training. Um, this is, this is too serious for that. Like, so, Listen, if anyone feels uncomfortable or whatever, they can just opt out, you know what I mean? Um, but listen, thankfully at the moment, there is pretty strict protocols in place. I must say, like, we have four dressing rooms uh, for our players. So, like, there's only about less than, there's less than 10 players in a, in a dressing room. Uh, no more than two people in the showers at any given time. We all have our own water bottles. Uh, we eat outside, uh, that sort of stuff. So there's no there's no video analysis or anything like that in a small room or anything like that. So it, it, it's pretty we run a tight ship to be fair, but you have to, you have to, you know, um, and it's grand. Like, listen, we're just happy to be back collectively on the field. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I haven't kicked the ball with anyone in three months. You know what I mean? So it's great to get back and uh, playing match game scenarios and training like that. So it's fantastic. Finally, Connor, uh, a word for your club, Belly Perrine, is it? If I pronounce that right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you senior now and how are you getting on? Are, are you, is your family, are you farmers originally? Like, do you live, it's just outside yeah. Clanmel, is it? It's actually, you're, it's more, it's closer to Mitchellstown. Um, I'm right on the border. My mother's a Cork woman. She's from Glenduff, just over the border there. Um, so yeah, we're, we're a senior football club, um, small rural village. Um, yeah, we're farmers originally. My dad and my brother are farming full time and I lend a hand whenever I can there on holidays and weekends and things. Uh, we're dairy farming there. So yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. We're a senior football team now with about seven or eight years. Um, uh, so yeah, since 2013. So when I came on to the intermediate team first, we were an intermediate team for, I'd say, the first four or five years that I played. And we finally got up senior in 2013, I think. And we're senior ever since now. We're holding our own. We don't, we've never got past the county quarterfinal stage. 
there's there's three or four big teams in Tipperary who kind of seem to dominate most years or they're always at the business end of the season. So kind of make that step up. But we're going in the right direction. We've we've some uh, good young players now coming through and like I'd be one of the older lads on the team now. So we, we have a nice blend of, of youth and experience. But um, yeah, we, we've yet to make that kind of breakthrough, you know, at senior level. But yeah, we're going in the right direction, thank God. We'll play a bit of junior hurling there as well. So that's a bit of crack as well, yeah. Good to hear. Uh, I suppose finally I do this with all my guests is uh, 60 second questions where I throw questions at you and you have to think on the spot. Lovely. Lovely. Favourite food? Um, Good food or bad food? Good food. Oh, anything to do with chicken. Chicken or steak, pepper sauce, steak, yeah. Favourite golf course? I the nicest golf course I played in is uh, what's the one in what's the one in Watford the famous place down there uh, nice hotel I what's know it called Woodlands is it the, Woodlands yeah the Woodlands right. yeah the Woodlands yeah I think. West Westlife or Boys one Westlife uh, uh, what's your favorite movie. Anything with Jim Carrey or Denzel Washington. So I would either go for Training Day or Ace Ventura. Uh, right, uh, go to karaoke song. Um, Christy Moore, Listen Werner. Hoodie or Windbreaker? Hoodie. Tea or coffee? Jesus, you're killing me. Tea. I love both, but I love tea. What's your weakness? Biscuits. Craziest thing you've ever done? I skipped a whole week of training to go on the beer on a rag week one year. Leg day or chest day? Chest. And your proudest moment? Have to be lifting that monster title last year. <laughs> no bother, Sherlock. Connor, I wish you all the best for next season again and uh, we'll be watching you. Lovely, thanks, Milnev. Cheers, Ed. And thanks for listening. Remember, you can get this on Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. I'll be back again next week with someone else from the world of sport. Once again, I'd like to thank Connor Sweeney. I would have known him from back in college and uh, sound fella, and I wish him all the best with Tipperary again this year, but not too much luck if it's to be at the expense of Cork. But uh, t- uh, thanks again to Connor, and thanks to you for listening. And uh, I'll be back again next week. I'm Neville Dunhu, and I'm out of here.